0: this show is this by some sun welcome
1: welcome to episode 214 of Texing. Hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing?
0: I'm all right. How you doing?
1: Pretty good. Uh, come back from Europe, and um, this is like one of our first conversations that we've had since i come back. How long have I been back? About a week at this stage. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how was the trip? Very good. Now, the next thing you're going to say is, I told
0: you so. I'm, I'm just going to let you tell me I told you so.
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. It was true. After about two weeks, I was missing America.
0: You, well, the other thing you said that I, I said. So are you getting a couple hours work or done a day, and he said, "No, more like a couple hours a week." Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, the thing I was thinking about this. I mean, it's easy to forget this stuff. It's like when you order a certain amount of food at a restaurant, and then you, afterwards you're like, "Oh, that was way too much," and you're like, "Why did I order that much?" And then, and then six months later, you go back and you do the same thing again. You're like, "I knew that was too much food. Why no, did I do You make that again? same mistake your whole life. You keep you do. doing it. You do. And I think, um, <clears throat> in terms of vacations. I think, like, the, the 10-day vacation, the, the week encompassing the two weekends is, is pretty ideal um, yeah. because, I mean, it'd be much better if you took three 10-day vacations than one three-week. I mean, it's like, you'd rather, it's rather to eat all the food for the day at one meal or we'd rather spread it out over three meals, you know? That's actually a pretty good point. A pretty good point. I mean, if you, you could have taken, uh, taken a trip in June to europe another one around the holidays and then take a third to the
1: caribbean okay but what but one thing to consider is is that it's at least a thou you know it's it's like a thousand per person minimum to just get there
0: okay fair enough how much money do you make a day consulting Oh, a exactly. So, how many days? <laughs> so, how many days did you miss consulting by being there and not really working, but being not really being refreshed? Because you're like, I'm going to get bored. I kind of want to go back. Oh,
1: you've you you've had this ready. You you've had this. Uh, whole
0: well, while. yeah. I was thinking about it on my own. I mean, you know, it's not like I haven't made the mistake. I mean, I I just yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, for for an optimal use of resources, being both time and money, and the fact that. You know, we don't work for companies. We just get paid leave, and we can just kind of take off and get paid anyway. I mean, it costs us a pretty penny to not work for a day. No, so, I like that idea. Three 10-day three trips a year. I think that's good in, thing. In, 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 in lieu of one, I mean, you could take uh, f- one three-week. I mean, you could take four. I mean, you know, but it's, it's just a matter of, like, I think that there's diminishing returns after about a week. I mean, maybe if you say, well, cool, I'm going to Asia, uh, it needs to be two weeks if you're going to fly that far. But... I've been to Europe numerous times, and I think 10 days is good, And at least for me. I mean, it's like, it also reminds me of like um, vacation from, uh, Christmas vacation during the holidays, from coming home from uh, college. We would either get two or three weeks off, depending on the year, a couple times we did two weeks, and then a stretch into three, I think. And I remember the third week just being really kind of monotonous. It was the same stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, you missed your friends, you want to go hang out, but after you see your friend for like the third dinner in a week, you're like, we're pretty much caught up. (laughs) Like I've I've told you all my stories. You've told me all our stuff. We're having the same conversations, you know. Well, of course, Rob Walling takes a three-day vacation every week. Well, here we go. (laughs) No no one ever accused uh, Rob of being a dumb guy. (laughs) He's figuring it out. Well, yeah, I mean... Ideally right, you'd take you you'd you know take uh, three days off every week or four days I think does he take four days or he, oh, he's a four day no, work he's week. a four day work week yeah well I mean it's hard it's hard to need a vacation when you when you'd have a three day weekend every weekend, right <laughs> So um,
1: well, we must have a lot to talk about. You must have a lot on your iPad right there, and I know I've got a few things.
0: Well, why don't you start? Let's
1: hear what you uh, got. okay, sure. Um, I was contacted by this company called udemy.com yep um and udemy if i just go online
0: here they allowed you to create uh coursework custom coursework and then resell it yeah resell exactly. sell it i guess yeah. and uh license it and people take your courses online
1: yeah and so they give you basically it's like a turnkey solution where they'll deal with you know what they're like they're like airbnb but for courses for your courses so the 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 website kind of reminds me of Airbnb and the feel and the way that you navigate around it, the way that you look at the information about each person or whatever. But then rather than staying in a person's place, you're taking a course. Right. So is their motto
0: different courses for different horses?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's pretty cool. Um and there's there's some you know, I mean, there's people who are selling courses for a couple of hundred dollars on there, and they have, you know, two thousand people who've taken that course.
0: That's not bad. You know, it, it's very similar to my first startup oh, yeah. um, that I did with uh, Phil Lehman, who we've had on a couple times. Um, so uh, the idea was we were built we were building a training system for for um, professional traders, okay. and our first courses were uh, geared towards option traders because that's the world we uh, that I came from. And it started off, we were building a flight simulator for trading. And I, I've talked about that. It's kind of like a video game, trading video game. It yeah. teaches reactions and skill skills and things. But later we transitioned it to being more of a web-based uh, series of courses. So you would read material, take quizzes, take tests. There were sometimes specialized drills we called skill builders. Um, and what we were thinking towards the end, after we... Came to understand that we were we pretty much saturated our market. <laughs> the market wasn't that big, you know. People would say, "Well, no niche is too small." You know, you could just get in there and own a niche, and, and right? Uh, no, right. they they can be too small, and ours was too small. We kind of we saturated the uh, the option trading market in San Francisco, New Yorks, and uh, and Chicago, and even to some degree, and uh, we hit Amsterdam and Frankfurt and. Yeah, in London, and it just wasn't that big. So um, <clears throat> we were thinking maybe what we should do is create a more generic platform for for course development, and course delivery, so that it would be easy for companies. For, literally, we were thinking at companies like companies could. Did you get started courses. on building that? No, because um, and this leads it to a whole another discussion. But the deal that we had signed with our investors was just so uh, bad for us. Um, <clears throat> it was like. The investment was not only equity, it was, a, uh, it was debt. So they had to recoup all their investment before we had any equity at all. I see. And it, we just got so far underwater that it would just take years. And um, Okay, so you had to cut out of that. But why didn't you cut out of that and then
1: just go and start another company and do that idea? Oh, uh, well, you can't really do that. I mean,
0: you can't really, I mean, it's, it's, you can't really say, well, we're not going to... Because it's like a non-compete kind of thing? Yeah, well, it, it wouldn't just, yeah, would would be fundamentally, uneth- un- fundamentally unethical. Well, it would have been a good space to get
1: into because Udemy did 2.6 million in uh, revenue for their, for their um, courses last year, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. So there's, there's, you know, a lot of instructors, I mean, all of that 2.6 million in revenue is going to instructor, well, is, is coming through from course sales. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty good, pretty good idea pretty good model they're taking 30% of sales unless you drive traffic to the site yourself in which case you get a hundred of sales
0: right well of course ours was in 1999 so who knows that might have been too early <laughs> no that's true but, but it like, was ours tech wouldn't have been there you know actually stream. it was actually the streaming our... was there well yeah. not the streaming but it was all it was all built on uh, ASP and, uh, and SQL server I mean it was all web-based. But did you
1: have the like the YouTube-style streaming video thing?
0: No, no streaming video. Actually, we did have videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we didn't have videos on the web because our first versions of the videos were things that were delivered from, you know, your CDs. Right, right. And they, we, we would have a combination of videos and reading material and quizzes and tests. But uh, anyway, the model works. I mean, it works in terms, I mean, I'm not in terms of business model, but the model in terms of having course delivered that way, courseware delivered that way. I mean, it it, it was effective. So what they're
1: doing is they're doing something similar to how, what we're supposed to be doing with Enifu. Um, They're basically going out and discovering experts, but they're looking specifically for people who have some kind of experience that, that they can tell are already good with multimedia. So they're kind of going through podcasts. And they're going through blogs mm-hmm. and they're lo- they're finding people who are already good at putting out content. And they're uh, contacting them and saying, Look, we we really liked your stuff. And it was a really simple email that, that I got that was something that may have that we may send if we were sending out to any food. And it looked relatively generic and I didn't really mind because I liked the because I liked the concept and I thought, okay, like
0: But it was nice and short, right? It was very short. Which is kind of what I was pushing for. It was like yeah. the three sentence email
1: or something yeah, like but, that. Yeah, uh, but 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 I'm pretty sure that it's it's it was sent to me in a, in an email blast where they like send it out to you know a couple of hundred people or something like that.
0: Sure. Well, even if it was, yeah, okay. So what what it could be is it could be crafted from a template. Like here's our generic template, yeah. and you and you spend thirty seconds adjusting it or yeah. customizing. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't take long to customize a three sentence uh, template email, right? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then I said, yeah, I am interested in that. And then they just sent back a simple email saying, Oh, well, what courses would you like to do? Well, no, actually the first thing they did was they set up a phone call. Mm-hmm. So there was a phone call. So we had like a like a 10-15 minute call. Mm-hmm. And uh she just said, Look, and she's part of the outreach team. I mean, this company has 50 people in it now. 50? 50 people, yeah. Wow. Like it's a big, it's a big thing now. But she's part of the outreach team. And uh we spoke for 10 minutes and she just said, Look, these are the kind of courses that do well. And so I gave her rolled off some ideas. And then she said, Okay, look, you know, have a week to think about it and come up with a, with an idea. And so I did. And I sent it back to her and she said, Well, that that's really awesome. So go for it. What's the idea? Um so, well, remember how uh, when we were with Lance Jones and Joanna Weeb Weeb? Is it Wiebe Weeb
0: Wiebe? Weeb? <laughs> I always get that wrong. Yeah, well I, I knew a girl you know, from uh, a college who was spelled who who spelled her name was spelled the same way it was pronounced weebie. so yeah. it's particularly confusing for me. We had dinner at CPK
1: with them um and Georgie and Sandy and the kids. Anyway, one of the things that Joanna was saying is is that, you know, content, selling courses is a great idea. And you had said that I was very good at the mock-up stuff. Define your startup. Okay, well, it's sort of coming from there, but Mm -hmm. a little bit of a different take. So here it is. This is the description. Okay. Build your startup before you build your startup. That's the title. And then the subline is learn how to define, iterate, and validate your startup before spending a single penny on development. And then the main description is, This course will save you thousands in premature development costs. It will teach you how to discover the most profitable form of your idea and how to build startup schematics and a lo-fi product demo. The resulting business model demo and schematics will empower you to easily communicate your vision to developers, customers, and investors. In other words, it will help you build your startup before you build your startup.
0: Yeah, that's good. Although I, I have one, one slight um, suggestion, which is why limit it to startups? Why not be, um, define your start software before you build your software? Because there's a lot of companies that are building internal tools or other external products. And they're not startups, but the, the, all the same lessons are going to apply the same way. It, it, it it'll apply to them, but if you frame it as a startup course they're they're just going to ignore that and i think the startup world is much smaller than the software development world in general i think you'd have a much bigger audience i don't know i think it might be something to think about
1: yeah no that I, I was thinking about that i mean i was thinking it's applicable to people but really the people that i'm aiming it at actually are people who want to build a new business okay so it's not just software like it's 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 the kind of entrepreneurs that i've dealt with in the past who just don't know anything about tech they're, they're, and they're just starting out And even even all of the people, um, not all of the people, but some of the people who listen to the podcast, who who want to build a side project or whatever. It's just if you go through this process that we went through with AnyFoo Mm -hmm. and that I've gone through with a few customers, Mm -hmm. basically, by the time you come to the end of it, you have like schematics for your business and you also have validated it and you found the kind of truest form of your idea as well.
0: Well, I guess what you could do is if if that's the one course you want to do first, you do it. And what you could do is extract, say, 70% of it and, and make a, a more generic um, yeah. mock-up uh, product design uh, course. Yeah. How do you design your product before you build your product kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, it, it might be as much as 80% of the material. I mean, I don't know exactly everything you're going to cover, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, why, why not? I mean, you, you seem like you have an a, a, a itch to scratch, right? You've right. Got, no, this I, is something you want to do. A little
1: bit of the madness about it. So I've gone out and, and bought a nice and expensive uh, camera, which we can use, by the way, to do video uh, oh, casts. Kind of, what kind of camera? Uh, it's, it's a Canon T3i. Mm-hmm. Ti, maybe it's a T 3 How much does that run you? Uh, $600. And it's at high def. It's high def, but then also got got a very nice 50mm lens. And I know, because my dad used to be a photographer, so what a 50mm lens is, it allows you to get very focused on a near-field subject, and then everything in the background becomes blurred in a very nice way. And right. it just has a really professional look and feel to it.
0: Yeah, let's see. I know that is one of the differences between the standard video um, that's recorded versus a film. Yeah. So when you hear when you hear... Filmmakers and, and uh, DPs complain about or, or, or list their complaints of shooting in high def or video as opposed to shooting film as they talk about like um, everything is in focus in video, right? There's no depth of field right, control right, or something. Yeah, and so yeah. whereas like film, it's like because you can well, do that. But it, that it, it, does
1: depend on the lens. so So this is going to be digital. But yeah. it's, it's just the lens that gives you those those effects.
0: Well, I think, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert in this. I mean, I've, I've done some amateur reading well, on it. and experimenting, Modern cameras,
1: but. like like you, if you buy a Sony video camera, they're built in such a way that they have a very deep depth of field. So they, they keep as much in focus as possible. And that's that's probably what they're talking about. So it's the yeah,
0: lens. well, I think, um, I think a lot of these um, new cameras are coming out with the ability to do some of these film-like um, uh, f- film-like behaviors yeah. or mimic these film-like looks because other, otherwise people are trying to shoot something and, and and it's not just for home video or something. I mean, they're trying to shoot something that they want to distribute or put on the web as sort of like a, a webisode or something, and yeah, you know, they 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 want they they, they get frustrated by the fact that it doesn't look we- like film at all. It looks like your home video camera, which sucks. So they're like, yeah. and they're like, well, it turns out that combination of just the right lens and um and uh, also maybe just some some software, then you can make it happen.
1: I figured that if you're going to charge two hundred dollars for a course, because I'm thinking that's the price point. I'm I don't know, maybe it could be more or less, but it should be as professional, if not more professional, than any other course on the site. So that's sort of what I'm thinking about with that. Well, good.
0: Uh, That sounds good. Um, How how much
1: work do you think it's going to take? I'm thinking I could get it done by January. So it'll be a holidays. This will be your holiday madness. Well, it'll be the holiday madness, but also January is the time when people are thinking, (laughs) okay, it's the beginning of the year. I'm going to get moving
0: on my startup. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, it also just gives you a hard um, sort of deadline. Right. If near, maybe not a hard deadline, but it gives you something to shoot for and uh, something to do over the holidays when it's a little slow.
1: All right. So how are we getting on with Catalyst? I've, I've, I was at the last Catalyst session, mm-hmm. but I missed a few. Um, what is the deal?
0: Well, it's going. So it was, we're at session number 11. It's okay, going to be today. Okay, so it's here to stay. Yeah. I, well, I you know we'll see. I think so. I mean, I, I think I think everybody's. I think all the kids are really enjoying it. I mean, I've talked to the parents and and uh, they seem to think that their kids are really. Have they been fun. paid
1: any money by anyone?
0: Yeah. Well, I collect. I mean, everybody just collects uh, pays forty dollars for the month. Okay. So I just sent an email reminding people to say just remember to sometime this month
1: because we said with texting we said we'll do like ten episodes and then we'll see. If we'll, if we'll stick with it.
0: Yeah. If you recall, I had said like, it'll be uh, three months, just give it a three month sort of, okay. uh, test to see how it works. And so this is, uh, next week will be three months Three months? and that'll be, I guess, through the November and that'll be three months. So yeah. September, October, November ran it and, uh, and just kind of take stock and decide if it's worth going now. Do you still have the continuing.
1: madness about it?
0: I you know I I uh, I don't know if I have the madness. I think any time after you do something for a little while, you don't have the madness. You know, it's like, do you have the mad madness of doing the podcast? No, you just kind of you just do it, right? It's just something you enjoy. You know, enjoy that you just just you do, it, right? And um, I enjoy it, and I'm ex- I'm so excited about what we can do with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's not so much like it's not like whether either the either madness or burnout it's sort of you know you, you once you've done something for a little while you, you scratch that itch a little bit right you're not you're not totally distracted by it that's why sometimes it's good to just let if you have something you really want to do quit putting it aside and just do it for a little while and that way it, it pulls it off your brain a little bit you're not so distracted by it
1: well do you still think the catalyst is uh, going to be a big earner like do you still think you can take it in that direction to actually bring in some decent cash
0: it's possible. I mean, I, I that that was never my primary goal. That was just like you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I tend to think how 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 could you make this a bigger deal than it is, and you know, so that that thought has occurred to me, you know, and I've I've played with the idea, and I thought hey, you know it's possible. Um, for right now, though, it's more the primary reason I do it is for Colby. Yep. And and the secondary reason is for the other kids who seem to really enjoy it. In the tertiary region is the potential that maybe it could become something. Do
1: you bigger? think you're going to turn the software into like a ser- software as a service subscription thing?
0: I'm not sure yet. I really okay. don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 in that. I mean, are you still
1: developing it? Or, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, but do you, are you getting time to work on it with, with all of the other projects you've got going on?
0: I never get as much time as I as I want or need. But right. uh, as you, I think you've just noticed it. It's, it continues to move forward, right? Yeah, yeah. when any time I look at the software. Well,
1: anytime we do a course, it has new stuff. But I know that you're working on it the night before, like you're doing a mad, crazy rush the night before.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of scrambling, which is sort of frustrating. Um, so the, the big thing that ate up a lot of time was moving it over from just a standard PHP stack to a Node.js stack. Um, and the reason I had to do that because if you were going to do remember we were doing the standard in like yeah. you're do some kind of a blocking on like a console type app and that was going to require going back and forth to the server and was, this stuff just doesn't work with php very well if you want to have a long live connection um yeah. uh xhr connection so but node handles that without a blinking. game it's, just, it's built for that so i needed to move it over for that reason also the idea that you know how we're doing this we have this sort of robot that we. That was the kids program and yep. they have to go through obstacle courses and stuff. So, my idea is that I'll have ways that the kids can compete or have like an open arena, like their bots are trying to eat up, like, you know, food and then, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, go through certain. Um, I don't know, they, they, like they, 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 have, thing, they have things that cause penalties and the things that they're trying to get and, and they have multiple bots competing or something. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Whenever I mention that to the kids, the kids really light up. Yeah. And I think that would pull them into really thinking hard about how they want their robot to behave and how to make it smarter. And then I think we could even get into simple artificial intelligence stuff, like simple decision tree learners and things. Because and, um, they're, they're going to be wanting Like, well, how, how do I get my robot to know where the gold well, is or I, how to- I
1: really like the way that you built the course so what jason did was he built a situation where a robot had to go through a course but actually there was three courses on the page and each course was different so you had to write a function to enable the robot to go through course one and then use the same kind of function and if logic to then get through course two which was different and then get through course three so it really forced the kids to think okay how do I use if logic? How do I use a while loop? How do I use functions and all that kind of stuff? So I thought that was very nicely done.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I mean, the first thing I tried to do to, was sort of a cheat to make that happen was that the um, the course was invisible, you know, and so they wouldn't really know how long it was or whatever. But the problem is they just do a couple of trial and errors and they memorize the course i see right and so they would they would cheat in that way and i'm like yeah yeah that doesn't work i realized after about two minutes that that was too easy to cheat so i figured okay so what we have to have is multiple course, multiple paths and the, and the program reruns on each one if it fails in any it fails and like that's really an algorithm yeah you know because if they know if you know exactly what the um what the path is going to be or what the input's going to be, it's not much of an algorithm because it's sort of deterministic. I mean, it's, or it's, um, you don't need while loops, you don't need conditionals. No, you could just remember it and just write out line by line to do, do this, 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 do this, yeah. do this, do yeah. this, which is just really isn't <laughs> very much of a programming challenge. I mean, the kids will get picked that up pretty quick. It's mm-hmm. like a recipe or something. Um, but when you do the multiple paths, it forces them to think that. And if you're, I mean, and, and, and few of the kids, I mean, when they, we were first. Presenting it with them, I mean, their minds were blown. They were like, "How could you possibly make this work?"
1: Yeah. What was the thing that was really difficult? Oh yeah, function. Function. We had. Did we returning a value? Returning a value from a function was just mind blowing to them. They they could not get that concept. And so, how did we uh, did we just talk about this in the last podcast? No. Um, So we said, okay, it's like it's like a door out of the function. Like the thing passes through a door and then you get it back. But it was still a very difficult concept. So I think you explained it You explained it to them by just doing code.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in the end, sometimes you just got to show them how it works and they can mimic it and they just get it. Oh, you we're, know? sorry, we're
1: talking about return statement
0: from a yeah, function. Yeah, return statement yeah. from a function. I yeah. just, you know, like Grant, who's one of our older kids, 11-year-old, and he just, I mean, you look at the face of just anguish, of confusion, oh, of frustration. He's like, pain. oh, what? Yeah. You know, and the other kids, for the most part, were still just kind of blown away by the fact there were three paths. They weren't even quite paying attention to, to that. So we kind of, what we did is we dialed in on one kid at a time, figured out how to explain it to them, and then went on to the next. It was kind of like a one-by-one-by-one by one, by one knock them but down But it's
1: funny, like, every time we try and teach them, we've thought... we. We've—it's the miracle function, literally miracle function. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have in our head how it works, but they don't. And you'd think that something like a return would be just such an easy thing to comprehend, but actually, it's, it's, it turns out to be surprising. Well, this
0: is different than anything they've seen. They don't know what are you talking about. So yeah. they're from from function from things that they've seen so far. Function just does something; it doesn't yeah. return something. Yeah. What do you mean return something? It just seems it's just just weird construct. So I think all thing if I was going to return do functions in that way, I would I would get away from the robot thing and I'd have like a console thing where like you have X equals five. Right. You know, let's write something called X squared. And then we'd go through a series of functions that return values or take in stuff. So I think I might go and 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 do a series of like a, of console programs challenges where they're just doing lots of functions that take in parameters and return different things. It's
1: probably a good idea just so they get used to
0: it. Yeah it's it's it's, it's like it's like in sports, right? Like I will you, they go play a scrimmage or game and you see the kids failing at something and you're like, okay, so let's go and isolate this thing. Like the kids are can't like in soccer, like they can't throw the ball in correctly. And so then I come up with a couple of fun drills that focus on throwing the ball in and they do it over and over again and they're pretty soon they're great at it and they don't have to worry about it. They get it. And then you go in you and you go, okay, they could all do that, but none of them can punt the ball when they play goalie. So we got to practice punting, you know, and it's just how you do it. And I think you need to isolate things down so they get enough repetition to they get it. Now my mistake from this last one is I made three levels with this sort of very very varying path lengths and path and obstacles. The problem was is I needed more repetition at each at each um, difficulty level. Yeah. I was like, oh they get it. So they move on to the next one. Now they probably should have done like three like that or five like that before they move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the big thing I need to do before tonight's session. So today I'm going to work on it is I'm gonna add some more levels, but I need to I if I can have enough time I want to make it so that they get points when they get a level and they have a point counter up next to their name. Oh that's a good idea. Because the kids are I mean Colby and Riley um were running around looking at see how much points everybody had and they really, everybody had zero. But you know if everybody if some people have ten if some people twenty, they would all be like, Oh man, I gotta get more points. I'm like, well yeah. try level six, you know, or oh, do it right. in Python, yeah. you can get twenty points and there'd be to be like just, you know, going in this point accumulation expeditions. So CJ who's been helping us out, is going
1: to Catalyst, the Catalyst course in San Francisco. It's called Catalyst Class. Catalyst Class in San Francisco, right? And we think that maybe somehow, <laughs> somewhere along the lines, they got that Catalyst name sub- by maybe maybe not directly from a listener of the show, but maybe, maybe not directly from listening to the show, but maybe a listener of the show or something like that.
0: Yeah, well, I was curious because I—I think that I, I looked up like when did they register Catalyst class? Because when I saw that pop up on Hacker News a couple months or a month ago or whatever, I was kind of suspicious. I'm like, oh, that's coincidental, right? Yeah, gracious. you know. And uh, and I looked at the who is, and it, I think it was registered on like September 12th, and then I went back and looked on our um, uh, on our show history, and I'm like, when did I first mention the name Catalyst? And it was like August. 20th or something so i had mentioned a kind of two or three episodes
1: but there could also be the same th- i mean it could just be the same thought pattern because basically they're creating a course and they thought what would be a really awesome cool name for a course and they got to the catalyst but
0: anyway- i think it's unlikely because you know my the reason the way i thought about it is that because we're doing a lot of synthetic biology and yeah. you know i've been talking about that and i was and i was thinking about some syntho- uh, this cool doing cat uh, doing this what do we call catalyst now you know, in doing sort of synthetic biology at some point, I was thinking about, so that kind of stuff was in my brain. That's, that was a segue of, you know, chemical, biochemical reactions. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff. We actually have a, we have a decent sized audience now that when we talk about things, they filter in sort of into the ecosystem, right? I mean, and it's not like people go, oh, Jason and Justin were talking about this. I'm going to use it. They might have heard it they were half listening to the show a month goes by they don't remember that it's just in their subconscious or yeah. they're sitting around with a couple of their buddies we're trying to think of a name for this and the guy and some guy goes the catalyst pops in his head he doesn't know where he heard it but it turns out 2 weeks ago he listened to a show and that's where it came from and the person well, who got that's, it- that's
1: how stuff gets out there but but perhaps more interesting mm-hmm. is the fact that they charge 15000 for a student to go <laughs> and they have what like tw- 15 or 20 students in the course and by my calculations, that's a shitload of cash. That is a lot of money. <laughs> and I mean, I was, as I, as I said to Jason at the time, holy shit, Batman, we should do that. We should have a course where we take developers, you know, or newbies and teach them how to become developers. I'm, I'll am charge them 15 grand. We could make 500,000 a year at that shit. What do you think?
0: Look, What's with all the cursing now? All of a sudden, <laughs> you're I letting just, loose. Just that one, just that one <laughs> section. It <Jeez>. is. <laughs> um... um yeah. I mean, you, you, it could definitely be done. I mean, it, it would, um, you know, just like we're doing Catalyst, you could just rent some space and you could advertise out on the web and get, see if you get 10 or 15 people. I mean, you wouldn't even have to have that many people to make it worth your while. I mean, you have 15 to 20 and you're charging that kind of coin. I mean, you know, that becomes a really lucrative. But the only business. thing is,
1: is that I don't know how we could actually do it because to do that you would obviously have to be i mean they they do from like nine to six every day you'd have to be very full-time hands-on
0: yeah no it's a full-time thing so and
1: so we would then have to say no uh sorry i can't do uber anymore i can't do media anymore i can't do this can't do that yeah we couldn't really do that could we
0: no you could do it you could do part-time maybe you could create like a you could create a course structure that's different than than what they're doing, which is a, you know, full time thing. You could do, you know, we do it three nights a week. And it's it costs less money and it takes a little more time. But a lot of people in the LA area might be interested in learning how to say become a build mobile apps using titanium or build Node.js Js apps or whatever. And you could say we do Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from five to eight. But the thing that attracted me was the five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs>
1: well so if you're doing it three nights a week, then it's more of a you know, it's not such a Well
0: I'm just saying, I mean, you, you <laughs> could you could still charge a fair amount of money, maybe not quite that much money, but then you're making that money on top of your consulting and you're not having to take the risk of giving up your consulting to pursue it. Right. That's just an idea. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that something you'd really want to do, or are you just Well, I'm not I'm not he- I'm not massively inspired. Not for not not to do like a three evenings a week thing, but you'd do like a three month all day long I would consider that, yeah I would, teaching I consider- a course all day long would be exhausting, you know how long teaching a catalyst for an hour and a half is i mean that is i mean, I know kids are more exhausting than adults, but you know still I've, explaining something I mean just trying to explain just just trying to explain uh what you know like what conditionals are to people also, who don't know programming it's is, also so.
1: like um. I think that to get real value out of it, it shouldn't just be like teaching. It should be like you're building a little company for the three months. So you're you're all working on projects and you're
0: actually making stuff. Which is what they're doing in this, right? They're working on their own site. I mean, not necessarily a company, but they're building their own project. So you're talking about something that would be a combination of Cattles Class and um, Amy Hoy's, um, uh, I can't remember what she calls it, it's like... 500 times 30 or something. 30 times five hundred. You know, where where basically you come in and you, you, she sort of um, life coaches you through Mm. building your startup idea, right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, when I would compare her approach to say Rob Walling's approach, the the micropreneur, with the micropreneur academy, I mean, Rob is very tactical. He's like, build an email list. Yeah. You know, build a landing page with the email list. Here, here are your marketing strategies. I mean, he's very, very specific, very tactical. Where Amy Hoy is more like waving hands in there. Well, look, just don't worry about that. Just do it. Go out there. You know, she's, which, you know, has its own benefits as well. You know, yeah. and, and and Rob is like lower risk, but lower reward. I mean, he's coaching people to shoot for smaller wins because it's the first win. He's like, "Dude, just bunt, just get on base. Yeah. Go find a niche, determine if there's some demand by using, you know, checking out the, you know, Google Google's AdWords search or whatever and build a landing page." Where Amy Hoy is more like, "Hey, you know, don't worry about this. Just build something and if it's good and 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 you and you market it and blog about it and you know, it'll grow." So hers is more I think much is a chance that you could build something like um, like Har- Harvest, is that what her app is called? Uh, does What's she have? No, time she, tracker? I don't think she
1: has an app. No, hers is called Freckle. Freckle. I think she'd like to own Harvest. I think she'd be very happy if she had.
0: <laughs> okay. Cause I keep seeing that around. I, <laughs> I saw the interview. I, I heard that interview and, and like, uh, I was listening to Planet Money and it was, they were advertising Harvest. I was like, man, they're blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, but I they guess- are
1: huge. I mean, they're really huge.
0: So, Freckle is a is freckle, a small com, a smallish competitor. Yeah, to harvest. yeah,
1: but I, I, I mean, I know that she's uh, she's doing pretty well out
0: of it. All right, so it's time to t- it's time to do our, our one advertisement. All right, well get let us get it let's get it going. Do you remember you remember do you remember who these guys are? No, nope. who do you call? Okay, Justin, sit down. Oh oh yeah, now, call these guys. Yeah, no, if somebody comes to you and says, hey Justin, I need to get a website built, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna, what, are, you gonna are you gonna are you gonna build it for them? Do you have time to build someone a website? No. Are you going to go on the web and start searching around and try and find some consulting firms and then vet them and then recommend maybe take a look at this one or this one? Are you going to do that? Do you have no, that, that? that
1: no, I don't. I'm, I've got a very busy day. I'm working for two for two clients. I work four hours a day for Uber Media and four hours a day for, for Digidoo. And then I also work on a lot of other stuff. I do this podcast. I don't have time to do anything it's like exhausting.
0: that. It's exhausting. Isn't it like the I work? I wish
1: that something exists. I wish there was like some <laughs> w- domain that I could go where I could just get that kind of stuff built. Well, it turns out there is. What 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 is it, Jason? Call these guys. Call these guys.
0: Just com. call these guys. Call these guys. Or com. just call these guys. And, and what do they do? Well, they'll build your website for you. Or they can do not just static, you know, simple websites, but they can also do uh, dynamic you know actually web applications if if necessary and so
1: basically when you' when your mom or your dad or your or your aunt or your sister comes up to you and says, "Oh I need this website bill I, i've you know i've I've just passed my degree and i'm I'm becoming uh, a, an official um, a professional dog trainer and, um,
0: or it could be bigger. Some say, hey, my my. so my boss told me we need to build uh, a website for our department that does X, Y, and Z. How do, who should we talk to? Or how do we do it? Or how much are you going to take? You're going to be like, ah, just call these guys. Yeah. .com. Call these guys dot com. That's right. Because otherwise, you're going to waste a ton of your time talking about it and researching it and just being really annoyed and, and, and frustrated that you have to spend the time. Why would
1: you bother when you can just call these
0: guys dot com? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're getting too into the the, <laughs> the uh, advertisement aspect of it. Anyway, so yeah, Ravi Ravi is the uh, is the CEO the the founder of call these of well it's it's called D what is it D H Ali is what it's called. Um, but you know don't don't worry about don't worry that. About just that. call Ravi and just call these guys and he is a uh, super nice guy and uh, they'll answer the phone anytime talk with you try to help you figure out what what you need done. You know, so as opposed to most these places, they only respond to email and, you know, and they might get back to you like two days later or they're overseas and they're at an offset time zone and then they have an accent that you can't understand. I mean, Robby's in Orange County. He's in the OC. Oh, how often are we going to run this ad? Um, I think we're doing three shows. So this is our second show. So we have one more show. We need to do like a, I need to think of by the next
1: show, I need to think of a, a
0: tune. A dude?
1: yeah, like you know, call these guys dot com, something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That work. You should do that. Come on, what's that called? That's called a um, jingle. A jingle, yeah. Call these guys jingle.
1: All right. Well, that's that's our ad,
0: and and they do. They 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 primarily specialize in like ASP. SQL server.net ASP.net all that kind of stuff and static so they're, pages they're in the, yeah and the static they do jQuery and, and they'll design simple. stuff for you but they're but if it's if you're just getting a normal website built then it doesn't matter if you're if you're sort of a company or they work with a lot of uh, like um, uh, cities and things like that that uh, they um, they they might be important like well, what what do they use and it's it's the Microsoft stack so but that's Ooh, it that's I it that's, good. that's all you need to know just call these guys dot com all right Oh, uh, where were we? I don't know. So I got something I wanna. I was just thinking of. Oh, go on then. Um. So it was funny, you know. We've talked. I've talked in the show about um, Colby pushing him to play club soccer and that kind of stuff, and how we ultimately just let that go. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the, the reason the reason that I I wouldn't say we pushed him so much is we just tried to encourage him to stay with something, um, because he was you know really good at it. Coaches saw a lot of potential i mean he did have fun Mm -hmm. um but ultimately when it came down to club soccer at his age it's just a little too early for that kind of commitment i think right and but also he he would never say dad let's go kick the soccer ball or in fact even if i would say colby you want to go kick the soccer ball you know or at the park or where you know he visits grandparents or something he, he would never want to yeah you know practice he enjoyed practicing games but that was it and, and then I was seeing how he is with, like, building these, these big Technic Lego constructions that he does with all the motors and the complex parts. You can't stop him from doing it. I mean, it's, it's like a, he has the madness. Yeah. He'll just go for hours and hours. He'll get it first thing in the morning, 630 in the morning, and that's what he's doing before he eats anything or even sits down. And, you know, he'll, he'll come back, and he's like, we'll be riding the car, and he'll go, I just figured out how to do the differential, or I just – he'll be thinking about it. Away from doing it. And like that's the difference between sort of that like deep down passion, intrinsic passion that compared to just like, you know, general enjoyment of an activity. And it's like, you know, there are kids like that who who have that passion for different things. Sometimes it's for music. Sometimes it's for different sports or, or whatever. And it's like there's no way that Colby could compete with a kid who was that way about soccer. No. Exactly. right, And I was telling Sam, there's no way true. another kid can compete with what Colby's doing. I mean, can you imagine how hard it would be to get a kid who is mildly interested in building stuff? Hey, why don't you build something interesting? Hey, I bought this big kid for you. Why don't you do this? I'll sit down with, with you for a little while. There's just no way. The, th- the, thousands. The, hundred, the thousands of hours he's already put into this, thinking about it, driving forward on his own ideas. It's just, It's just amazing the difference between for a kid or for an individual when something comes from within well that's exactly why
1: i didn't i never became a successful professional musician because i never had that that kind of sleep eat breathe obsession with it like i had a i had a i really loved it but i wasn't the same as the other guys who were out on the street busking all all day long like Like,
0: they just they would just play nonstop. there was
1: nothing else for them whereas i i had a side project of earning money you know there was nothing else from them. They were just on the dole. They were busking all day long. They were just thinking about it twenty four seven. And it sounds like that's where Colby's at about Lego.
0: Well, yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, I mean, he's he he's been calling himself an engineer since the age of three, right? You know, so he thinks of himself as engineer. So these these technic things are these really elaborate complicated legos so they have regular legos they have baby legos called duplos and they have like your standard legos that most of us remember with the as a kid and now these much more intricate complex lego uh, bricks that can do, do all they have of moving, screws and things well they have all kind of moving joints and gears and you can build really elaborate movable um things and um and uh, like for instance the we just bought him the other day I, I told sandy i'm like you know he's, he's he's trying to build build something and he doesn't have certain parts he wants to there's a big Des- technic design competition and, uh, the, you know, everyone on the web will submit their design and a video of it and all stuff. And he's coming up with this really elaborate, what he calls the ultra car. And it's, a, it's like some war machine spaceship car. I don't know what the hell it is. So anyway, and he's frustrated because it did not have from parts. And I'm like, well, if there's one time when I would buy him something outside of say his birthday or Christmas or him earning the money himself and buying it, it would be something like this. So I told Sam, I'm like, you know, let's just go and just buy him one of these big Technic Sacks, which costs like 70 to 80 bucks, cause, And we bought him one that had, it was like 80 bucks or 70 bucks and it had 954 piece, pieces. 954. That's a lot. And it was, <laughs> it was age for age ranging 10 to 16. Colby does it in like a day and a half, you know, or we're going to just knocks it out. Sandy says she comes home and he, sit, he has it propped up on two chairs in front, the, in front of the door. And he's sitting back a chair behind it with his head, hands behind his head like, yeah. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> it's hilarious. But, um, but that's, that's what the Technic stuff is. And, and it's just it, that's the medium that he works in. So that's his real passion. But, but uh,
1: how do you feel about the football thing now? I mean, the soccer thing now?
0: Well, I mean, I, I um, now I'm I'm actually glad that we're not doing it because it was kind of just it was a time suck. You know, I mean, he. I I coach his AYSO soccer. I'm going to coach. They have like a, like another winter season that I'm going to coach because he likes it when I coach him. He thinks it's fun and we have a good time together. And, uh, you know, he's still, you know, when he plays the recreational soccer, I mean, he's kind of like, he gets to be like the franchise player, you know, but when he goes and he goes in this club system and it's all the best kids in the LA area, it's like, he's just one of the players. And, uh, you know, he... he's i don't know it's whatever it's probably frustrating for him it's not as fun it's just harder and uh to do stuff because everyone is good like you are you know and um you think that would be kind of make it more fun but i think part of him just likes to kind of be the be the man you know
1: yeah so where 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 can you take the technical lego thing i mean well, this
0: is just a precursor to him being i mean he's a builder he's a maker yeah and th- that that kind of thing goes into i mean whether he ends up being a an aerospace mechanical engineer type of thing or becomes a, a computer engineer engineer. i mean this is all this is just a precursor to yeah to having these things in your head of i want to build this and going through a series of trial and error and an elaborate series of, of, of constructions to build something I mean, it's it it
1: true. I mean, like I had um, a lot of Lego sets and a lot of Meccano sets. That it was called Meccano, mm-hmm. and I was n- nowhere near as focused as what you're as how you're describing, Colby. Like that was all at my disposal. It was all in my in my toy chest, but it just kind of sat there. Like every now and again, I'd get pick it out and I go, "Oh, maybe I'll build a boat or something." But
0: I didn't yeah, I'm in the one. same way. I mean, my, my mom said I used to like to build with blocks, but it was nothing like Colby. Colby has the madness. I mean, yeah. It's just addict. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, you have to constantly threaten him Colby, quit building. We have to go to <laughs> school. Go put on your shoes, you know? And Sandy, I hear that all day, especially in the mornings Colby, that's it. Five more minutes build like Five more minutes, and then we're doing homework, you know, that kind of stuff. That's cool. But it was just, it's just funny. I was just noticing that. I was because I was talking to another parent, a parent of one of Colby's friends, and she, she was talking about how her older daughter, she They'd gone through the whole music thing, forcing her to do piano lessons for years, and then of course she ends up quitting. And so it was just like all this stress that was on them, yeah, you know, between them because of the, uh, you know, forcing her to do piano, and then she did some other instrument, and then doing the whole club volleyball thing for years. And every weekend it was driving all the place for tournaments, waking up at the crack of dawn, and then eventually, eventually she's like, ah, "I'm done."
1: You know the bad the bad scenario is. I mean, I meet a lot of people, and as we all do, who are. They don't really know what they want to do in life. You know, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like coasting yeah, and they're, just, they're doing a job somewhere and they're just kind of floating. Like it must be st- stressful to have a kid who really doesn't have a who floats. Yeah. Who doesn't. And then there's a lot of them.
0: Most people, <laughs> most
1: people. Right. It's
0: rare. I it's the exception. And I don't mean if it's, this isn't necessarily the rare expression. I don't think it's one in a hundred, but it maybe it's one in 10 or you know, that people who, who grow up and like I'm just, this is what I love. I, you know, I paint or I write stories or I build stuff or, you know, whatever it is. They just, they have that drive. They've always had, or it's, a, you know, like we said, sports
1: Because, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I really had anything until I, I, it came later when I, be, discu- you know, entrepreneurialism. For some reason, that's the thing. I don't know why. That's the thing that I'm nuts about.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, and also people are also not say late bloomers, but they find it later. Yeah. Right. And um, I read this great story. Um, I wish I knew the guy's name. I could probably find it pretty easily, but a friend of a friend, a guy named uh, Mike, he was, uh, he was visiting and we were, the three of us were hanging out, our mutual friend and and he and I were all hanging out for a day. And he knew that my background was in math and stuff. And he was telling me a story about his uh, good friend from college, his roommate. And he said he he went to uh, Harvard on a uh, tennis scholarship. I mean, he was a good tennis player, but I can't remember if he said it either due to injury or due to falling out with a coach, he'd quit tennis. But that was his thing, right? I mean, Harvard's Division One. he's got a scholarship, tennis scholarship. I mean, that's his thing, and he quits, or he's done. So now what? And he said that all of a sudden, he, like, started getting into math, and he would just sit in the library, in the math library, looking through books and working out problems and doing stuff— and he just got totally consumed by it and became incredibly good at it. And he later on, he, you know, got his PhD in math. And then he was, you know, this rising star at Harvard and uh, – or is it at MIT? And MIT and Harvard were fighting over him. Like he – I think Harvard called him up and said one of the, you know, whoever the, the chairman of the math department called him and said, hey, you know, we really like to – want to talk to you about you coming over here. And he's like, hey, I'm on a tenure track here at MIT. I what do. And he's like – well, you know, kind of like, we'll make it worth your while. I think he went over to Harvard. But, I mean, this is a guy, What he didn't do it growing up. He was some math prodigy. didn't do, you know, he didn't even probably do any math, ed, ed courses beyond what, you know, any other just probably normally, you know, academically oriented kids would do. He probably did calculus, maybe a senior in high school at most. And then he just got into it and just took off. And you see that happen sometimes. People just find it later and they just get into it. Well, maybe that will happen to me with physical fitness. Now that I've got my personal trainer. Oh yeah. Let's hear about that. I was going to, I am meaning <laughs> to ask you about that. Um, right. Well, I've just, you're <laughs> making videos. I like, I'm going to be like, fall, only like three in the morning and I can't fall asleep. when I see you on your, the latest fitness craze with <laughs> Justin Vincent. <laughs> Can you re- be selling your workout drink <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's just 30 minutes a day. Yeah. Well,
1: no, it is th- 30 minute sessions with, with my personal trainer. So, um, it's a girl um, uh, called Melody, who's a, a personal trainer in Pasadena. Very good. She's, she seems very qualified. She's been doing it for like 15 years. But she's, um, she is so strong. And it's, it's actually kind of embarrassing because the, the very first session that we did, she said, okay, okay, this is the dead weight lift.
0: So she's physically
1: stronger so, than you? Uh, f- so much stronger than me. Wow. Um, so she had put uh, 60 pounds, no, 30 pounds on each side on, and a 50-pound bar. And she said, she said, she basically said, look, this is how you do the dead weight. Lift it up and put it down. I mean, literally not a problem. So I went, I went, sure, okay. So I went, lift it up. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. So I had to just completely take it down to, to ten pounds on each side and a 70-pound bar, and then I could do it. It's a
0: forty-five-pound bar. The the big bars are forty-five
1: Okay, right. So I'm I'm just like, obviously, through doing nothing mm-hmm. for 15 years mm-hmm. i'm very weak and i hate it it sounds silly to say i that.
0: tell you most people who don't work out with weights are compared to people who work out with weights are very weak it's,
1: it's <laughs> really different it's really difficult you know anyway um so i've just done two sessions with her and it's it's great uh but it's of, i'm supposed to be doing we do half hour sessions mm-hmm. and i'm supposed to be doing fu- uh she's working on the bait like for example i can't touch the ground right
0: Oh, flexibility. One. Yeah, flexibility. You so keep your knees straight. You so, can't reach the ground.
1: Yeah, so she's basically saying, look, you know, that's that's like one of the core things that you need to be able to do <laughs> to even be fit, right? Right. So basic so, flexibility. So she's kind of building, um, building up that kind of possibility in me very slowly. <laughs> but we're doing each session. We're supposed to be doing five exercises in half an hour. So five reps. We do four things and then four five four exercises. Yes, five sets. Five. That's thank you. I don't, I don't even know the words. Yeah. Right. So five sets of four things. But I, I have I've done two and I have two sessions with her and I haven't made it past two sets, really so far. But I, I have been like so like my heart has been going so far and I'm not doing. It's not uh, like it's just lifting weights or whatever, and, and just doing these specific exercises that she's showing. But my heart is like pounding, and I'm like, <sighs> yeah, <sighs> like that. So, anyway, yeah, well, two it, sessions it, in, we'll it, see how it goes.
0: Well, okay. First of all, I applaud you for making the effort to do this. I, I think it was really smart of you to get a personal trainer because you, you, you several times have tried to kind of start doing something, but you weren't able to continue doing it. But once you get a personal trainer, it forces you to commit, right? You're just doing it, you know? And that was, that was smart. We're understanding, like you basically understood, like, I'm not going to do this.
1: But it's not just that it's having someone who's really skilled and knows that like they're looking at what a wreck I am and they're like, like, okay, okay, we need to do this. So they're making me do stuff that for me is incredibly uncomfortable, yep. right? It's exactly what I don't want to be doing. Yep. And anytime I've tried to be doing this before. I've never I've never felt anywhere close to this burnt out and I've been well, I've been maybe working out for half an hour 45 minutes it has been fine. Yeah. Right? Here I'm doing like two mi- by the end of 2 minutes I'm like on the floor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'd like to be there and videotape that. That's what I'd like to videotape. Dick your new camera. <laughs> He's was writhing on the ground. <sighs> well, I remember this guy I used to train with uh when I was rehabbing my knee uh, this is down at this uh, place called Cats, which is like a big, big facility, on our you know just down the street. And um, he would always be like, "All right, so here we have two these like hurdles, you know, the, you know the hurdles on the on the track. Yeah. He like you're gonna take these 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 twenty pound sandbags. You're gonna jump over the hurdle, jump over the second hurdle, put it down, jump back back get the, and you have to move all the sandbags to the other side and then back again. Yeah. And I'd do it, and I'd be like, just about the. You know, passing seeing stars practically, and he'd be like, "Wow, it's pretty good." Although there was a um, girl I on working there, she's fourteen, and she did that on ten seconds faster. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so then I do it again. Like he'd always pull that crap on me. Ah, oh, you know, hey, I'd, that's not bad. But like he'd always use the fourteen-year-old girl trick on me. And I, I push myself to the point where I throw up. Like I like run to the bathroom and throw up.
1: You, that, that I, you do feel sick, don't you, when you do this? If you
0: of- push the anaerobic type exercise like that. To the, to, to your max, you'll throw up. I mean, in track, when I ran track in college, you know, I, I ran sprints and when we would do interval training, we would do say for instance, five, 200 meter sprints. So you'd, you'd do a full sprint to 200 meters and then jog to the next starting block, 200 meters and, and do it over. And we would do a set of five and then take a break and then do a whole another set of five. After the first set, I'd always throw up you'd hit that you'd run the full one and you'd be done poof and then all of a sudden you would feel this like this lactic acid kind of wave go oof. through your body be, why would you do it why don't you just stop earlier <laughs> okay i was saying that my coach I, I it was like the probably like the first month when i was running track in college and i said i said yeah i said you know i felt pretty good on that one i i think i could have gone a little faster except i felt like i going to throw up he's like he's like are you kidding me? He's like, what do you think we have all these spit cans in in here? You throw up and then you keep going. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so after then I threw up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday practice. That's nuts. That's I never nuts. I'd thrown up in like 10 years. Like even when you're sick, you know, you kind of fight it. And it but feels, that's bad for your teeth. You no, know, you just rinse your mouth out.
1: Fair but. enough. Th-
0: this is um. That's her? Yeah. Holy smoke. Wow. Well, she looks fit. Yo, well, I I think um Oh, here a couple of things I would say. Uh, I'd say about this though, about your your training stuff. It will get easier.
1: I can't believe it because it's, it does. it seems it's easier, right? so. Uh, like I feel like I'm about to die. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like about to literally.
0: It, die. it, it it'll you it, you will not feel that way after a while. You'll start to get better and better shape, and you just act like You learn how to do it, right? You know, people like anytime you start doing something and you've never done it, it just seems impossible. I remember when I first did spin classes, and after 20 minutes, I'm like, "There's no way I can go an hour." Like, this is insane. I'm trying to figure out how do I get out of this room before, without looking embarrassing or causing a scene. And then after a while, you're like, ah, it's just no problem.
1: Yeah, but you're talking an hour. I mean, I'm talking like minutes. Like, I can't go three yeah. minutes. Like, two minutes is too much.
0: Yeah, sure. You'll, you'll get past it. You, you adapt. Your body adapts. You, you, psycho, you adapt psychologically. You adapt physically. You get in better shape. And pretty soon, she's going to have to up the exercise and up the weight because you'll be like, ah, it's no problem.
1: Like, I, I got that sick feeling. But at the same time, I also felt very hungry. And she was saying, she was, uh, she said, I said, I feel sick. She said, oh, well, you better stop because you shouldn't really exercise when you feel sick. I said, but I also feel really hungry. She said, how can you be sick, feel sick and hungry at the same time? That doesn't exist. And I said, I don't know, but that's what I feel right now. Well,
0: yeah, you're just, uh, <laughs> well, you got to make sure that you eat something not, you know, or do you, When do you the, when do you do the sessions?
1: Well, whenever she can. Oh, it's it not like it's yeah. same time every day. No,
0: no. Okay. Well, you want to eat like an hour and a half, two hours before. Don't eat too, too. Near to the time, otherwise you have food in your stomach, and that's gonna be bad. But anyone eat something that's kind of like anyway. So we'll see. That's
1: good. I'll just you know these half. It's very. It's an express half an hour session. You go in there, you work out, and you
0: leave. And in your in your uh, heart rate and everything's up. All your metabolism's up all the rest of the day, right?
1: I don't know, but 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 it's 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 the thing is none of it's aerobic. It's It's all all, weights. weights.
0: Yeah. Well, so. What's what's you know, because that's the most efficient way because you can achieve, um, you know, cardiovascular and um, sort of muscular fitness by doing weights in rapid succession. So she doesn't let you rest a long time between sets, like what a minute, 30 seconds.
1: Oh, come on, I'm just I'm like, I'm just on session two, right?
0: But she'll 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 be like, okay, good. Well, I mean, if you if you do them to a point where you're still kind of like still kind of out of breath, I mean, that's 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 going to be way she said she says that she
1: just does three. Three half hour sessions a week for herself. Yeah. I mean,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's about intensity, right? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not about the volume or time. It's about, uh, you know, you're going to accomplish the same amount. In te- Is that what you intensity. do? It depends. I mean, I, I, I would, if I had a, if I had a trainer, if I had like my uh, coach, I mean, they always push you harder than you want to go. There's no, you never push yourself as hard as if you have someone there busting yeah, the by yeah. going. Cause, cause you always can rationalize, oh, you know, I'm going to, you know, my, my shoulder feels a little this or I'm going to just, get a sip of water you know they're like no do it now and you're like oh man you know and they're like oh i think you got five more and you're like what and they'll do it they'll just push you to the point you know but that's how you get huge returns is when there's someone there to push you past your comfort zone and that's with everything in life not just with fitness i mean if you have someone there to push you push you past your comfort zone um you know you you just excel beyond other people and that's why people have coaches for everything i mean whether you're a you know a chess player or a musician or whatever yeah. i mean they have coaches who say okay you need to work on this and they like you i don't want to work on this and then they make you work on it until yeah. you get it
1: you know well anyway that's uh that's my personal training That's good stuff, i'm so.
0: glad to hear that's that's awesome i'll we'll see how this so keeps we, it up you got anything for us oh i got all kinds of stuff let me look at my notes here okay Oh, you know, I was looking at something that popped up yesterday. It's called How to Choose Health Insurance Startup Edition. Huh. It's called getsimplyinsured.com. I think it's I don't know, whatever, some startup about insurance. But one thing there, the, the the summary of the things that they were talking about, the one thing right away was invest in a health savings account, an HSA, mm. which I had recommended that you do. When you yeah. called me about it, like, I don't know, how long was it, a month ago or two Yeah, that's ago? what we do now. Yeah. Do you have HSA? Would mm. you have your HSA? So for people who don't know, a health savings account is. A thing that's set up through I guess the federal government where you can um rather than say have some expensive health plan that you pay five hundred or eight hundred dollars a month for <laughs> you put that you put eighty percent of that money would go into a savings account under your name it's called an h s a just kind of like an i r a might be for retirement this is for your health savings account, so that if you go to a hospital and you have $2,000 bill that comes out of that account rather than the insurance company paying for it. Now, what you also do is you have a what's called like a high-risk or low-premium insurance as a supplement. You have to take that in addition. So that for our entire family costs like $180 a month as opposed to like a regular insurance, which might cost us like $1,000 a month. So we, put, we bank the other... Eight hundred or whether or whatever, and that goes into a health savings account, which earns interest, or you can actually have like certain types of selected investments, just like you can with IRA, like mutual funds or whatever, if you want. But that money is always ours, right? Yeah. And the reality is, if you're relatively healthy, you're not going to use that money. So all the money you're going, you're not going to use that money. So that money is still yours. Whereas if you were paying an insurance company, you're never going to see that money again. Those premiums are gone, right? And um, and the health savings account also makes it so that you have. Lower negotiated rates. So if you go in for a doctor's visit or you have checkups or you get prescriptions or if you go and you spend a night, you know, it's it's at the rates that the insurance company pays, not that a a, a walk on off the street person would pay, which would be like 10 times that amount. Yeah. Which happened to me one time and that's a whole other story. (laughs) But the bottom line is it's really a smart thing to do is a health savings account HSA. And in HSA and the things that they said absolutely do not do, which is another thing that I, I learned early in my life, which is don't do Cobra because Cobra will cost you like $500, $800 a month. And where it's like, you can pay a fraction of that, like 20% of that cost or 30% of that cost. If you just go and get like a blue cross, blue shield standard off the shelf health insurance, Cobra is just ridiculously expensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know we're, we're, we're on blue shield and yeah, I think uh, that's same with us. Blue yeah. Shield HSA. Well, because we had because we spoke to Sandy about it.
0: Oh, right, because you asked yeah, me, I, I gave you the higher level, and you, and I you said, put us on the
1: phone to Sandy. So said, myself and Georgia would speak to Sandy, and she said, "Okay, this is what you need. This is what you do."
0: And uh, we were we, I forwarded it to yeah. find our finance department. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, people call me up. It's like, hey, so where did you? I'm like, you're the wrong department. Let me forward you to finance. <laughs> please hey, hold. Please hold. I'm like, unless you're in, unless you're trying to talk to the math department, I'm going to forward you to the department, which will all go to Sandy. That's funny. So you guys have been doing the last couple of months, and yeah, as that
1: we've been quite a while now. So like, what, what, I guess it's like six months at this stage. What did you do for insurance before that? Um, we were on Kaiser because Georgie uh, had Kaiser Permanente through her job. I see. Because she worked, she worked uh, in a I don't know what the the term is. I guess it's like a semi government type thing. It's like mm-hmm. where where private industries contracted to the government. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we had Kaiser, and then after that, we just transitioned to, to the Blue Shield.
0: And, and Blue Shield is PPO, so it's not like you have to... It's, you can go to your own doctor, have a huge network yeah, of yeah. Doctors, yeah you can yeah, choose yeah. your doctor. It's not like you have to see this one guy or one woman and yeah. you had no choice. That's like, great. No, it was great. And does it save you money? Well, of course. Paying, I mean, are you paying less money? Yeah. It? I mean, uh-huh. of course. Like, it's, it's
1: ridiculously less. I mean, it's, you know, it would be like you know, 800, 900 a month or whatever the other way and it's a couple of hundred a month. With and the rest digital. is going into the bank.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, I remember I brought that up to James Altucher behind the show and Mr. Financial Wizard James Altucher, knower of all things, you know, yeah, financial business rated, hadn't heard of it. And he was like, I never heard of that. Oh, that's wow. a really good idea. Oh, okay. so he's, he's probably recommending that right that now. That was really awesome. I loved it when you kind of like you talk to someone who's an expert at something, and you recommend something to them. and They never heard of it. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. That was a win. that was a win. I was like, yeah. But um, well, I have to say that that was. Um, I can't remember if it was if I knew about it and I recommended it to Sandy and Sandy looked into it, or she just looked at it. She might have. She's really good at research. She might. She, probably, she probably found it. Yeah, I probably can't take credit for that. I probably that probably is Sandy's real. <laughs> Her, so she did everything. I and mean, she did all the research. And she, I remember her coming in. She's like, we, we had a, I used to have a whiteboard in my office. And she's like, wrote down, here are five options. And your HSA <laughs> and this and that. And here are the premiums. And here's our max you know, amount. Because I think with an HSA, with these little premiums, your maximum that you would ever pay, even if you got, say, hit by a truck around the hospital, for three months would be like $7,000. I mean,
1: basically, it's the same as just saying, I'm going to have this account here, and I'm going to save money in for a rainy day. Except it's kind of tied into health and you get, you get, ta- uh, it's tax free. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: 6,000 6, of it is, or 5,900 is tax free a year. Yeah.
1: Tax you get. So some of it's tax free. And then also, um, you get the other benefits you're saying about the discounts and getting, hooking into the doctors.
0: Well, let's that. say that you're relatively healthy for five or six years and you put in like 30 or 40 grand at some point, you don't really need to keep funding it. Right. You have 40 yeah. grand sitting in there and you got to 7,000 max that you're going to pay. kind of done. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty much, you're good. So you don't, you're, you're going to be having to pay lower premiums. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So all our listeners out there who are freelancers or start, you know, have small startups and don't have like some kind of company health plan, HSA. Check out the HSA. Don't play Cobra. <laughs> if you leave your job, you're just going to spend months paying ex- exorbitant rates. So oh, um, did you see the um, the uh, thing about uh, how the GOP came out with a new take on um, copyright it was in Ars Technico
1: uh yeah but but I only briefly glanced at it so
0: so anyway the the essentially what happened is that the uh, they they came out with this new position being that that uh, that they were going to shift from being sort of like copyright maximalists oh yeah <laughs> to a more you know, to a more reasonable direction of like you know because I think that the the all the copyright legislation is, is, is hurting the candidates because people push back on soap and things like that. It's hurting the candidates, right? People are really pissed off about stuff like that. I mean, it's really just a, you know, a handful of industry groups, um, the MPAA and the RIAA and, you know, and a few other groups that are, that are really putting all the money behind this and it's everyone else who really doesn't want
1: it. Right. So, so what happened?
0: Well, <laughs> I think they got a phone call from the NPA and RIA and, and, uh, and, uh, what's the guy, Dodd, I can't remember, he's the guy who's the, I think he's, is the director or whatever of the, of the industry, yeah, lobbying group. And they basically said, uh, they basically changed, like, oh, that was, went out, that went out without proper review or something like Oh, that. man. So, yeah, they, they, they basically, they put a lot of money in these politicians. So they're like, you're not going to back down on this. Yeah. So I thought that was really funny. So I mean it is depressing, but that's so basically
1: like, they, they put something out there that was more much more liberal in a in a sense. And then they and then the the main guys came and said look, you The money. No, the money the money showed said, up and no, no, you're not doing that.
0: Not doing that. And uh the they, 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 the the lobbyist groups for these industries probably got in contact with the GOP leadership and just said this really is not Making us happy, we're really angry about this. We're going to withhold all of our donations, and we're going to, you know, we're going to start funding money to demor- the Democrats. In which money. case, what's the point of politics? What do you mean? Well, like people pay- People are paying for a
1: political outcome.
0: Yeah, that's how it works. Ugh. That's how it works. It's uh, it's what they call. Uh, I think we call it inverted totalitarianism, where it's like you essentially have the democratic institutions largely corrupted by. The influence of money from special interests. But how come the Democrats keep winning then? The Democrats have tons of money as well. I mean, uh, they have tons from- of money from the banks and from all other major corporations. I mean, the corporations drive um, the policy for the, the corporations and a few other special interests drive the policy for the two major parties.
1: You know what I was thinking? The two billion that was spent on this last election—if mm-hmm. you just took that two billion and gave it to homeowners to clear down their debts, then that would seriously help American economy.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think it's hard to talk about the, the, that money because mo- some money is going to go to that anyway. But if you, if the money that went on to to bail, bail out the banks had gone to bail out homeowners instead, yeah. That would have, that I mean, that would have kickstarted hundreds the- of billions. That would have kickstarted the economy again. Yeah. That would have been this, the I think, a much better way to use the money. But um, you know, luckily, the, the thing is, that Main Street doesn't have a voice, and and, and it doesn't have near the kind of voice in in the uh, in government as Wall Street does. Right? Wall Street writes these big checks. You know, they're the ones who are going to say they're the ones who go and all the buddies in the Treasury Department and at the Fed, work Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan. They go back and forth. It's so the the revolving door.
1: Well, so what did you think about Obama at the risk of uh, going into strange places? What did you think about Obama getting back in yourself?
0: Well, like I've said, I, I think it's a Pepsi challenge, right? I, I think it doesn't make a difference. Most, most major issues, they're, they're, they're so similar, it doesn't even matter. So it's like Coke versus Pepsi. Yeah, it doesn't matter. What's Can you difference? figure out what the difference is? If I, if I wrote down a list of their policies, minus a few sort of emotional social issues, people wouldn't you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to tell the difference and okay. so they, they they really were desperately because either fighting way it's 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 corporate driven yeah i mean and, and you know or it's inertia from whatever i mean they're, they're the same on all foreign policy and all you know economic stuff and i mean it's just basically the same and so i you know i, I don't have a dog in that race i you know so who did you vote for? I just voted for uh, I, I just voted for the Libertarian candidate. I mean, Gary Johnson. But I don't I didn't I don't really research him that much. I don't really know. It was just like any third party, <laughs> you Green, you know, whatever party. I mean, I would I just said I oh, just whatever. You just right. what we need to do. I think is you need more than two choices because it's too easy to it's just too easy for money to influence the election. But anyway, so but you know always really interesting about it. is, um, what happened to the Romney campaign about the, um, they rolled out their, their sort of like their get out the vote app that they had all of their people who were supposed to go around. And so both what the campaigns do is they have, they, they do a a lot of analytics and a lot of work trying to figure out like, who do we target in the last day or two? Like, who do we tell our, our people on the streets to go out and knock on doors and who do they want to talk to and who do they want to call? Because these are the people who we want to get them to the polling stations. Well, the big, the Romney campaign pulled a big face plant because they didn't test their app. Until the day of, and it didn't, it didn't work. And a lot of people couldn't log in. And the people who were supposed to have this huge role list of of people they were supposed to contact didn't have any names. And people thought it was an app, and turned out it was a web app. So there's some big confusion about it. It was just a total and utter wow. So technology I, really went against them. It was a technology face faceplant. You know, they didn't, they didn't, uh, and I, they didn't name the company that they had contracted to do the development work. But essentially, they made a, a huge technology problem. Uh, technology. Judgment error, which we know about, is like you don't want to roll that thing out on game day. I mean, this thing's a series of progressive testing before, you know. And um, and the one we've read, I think a lot of people have have heard about, and it's been covered a lot, is 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 how much money the Obama campaign put into their uh, analytics division. Like they had a no, t- I haven't. Uh, to tell yeah, me. yeah. So they had their their analytics group was five times the size it was in 2008. O- in, in o- eight. and they 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 basically A/B tested everything, every message, uh, every ad. Oh, they did. Every email. Wow. Um They they were they had they just had hu- it was a huge big data effort, and that was. Um, I but think the that- analytics was also interesting because Nate Silver,
1: who basically has now predicted the last two elections, he, he to was the fifty state. for
0: fifty on the states. Yeah. yeah.
1: Although, and he was in the last election,
0: was I think it was 49 50, like he missed one or something, he was close. Yeah, any other way, it was extremely impressive. And that's and that's
1: through doing uh, basically cumulative statistical averaging analysis, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so like what he would do is he would take the poll, the different polls that were you know done uh, in each area, and he would uh, find a way of combining the results into a better um, uh, statistical estimate. Um, you know, like a lot of this happens in machine learning a lot. Like if you, every model you use is going to have certain types of inherent, certain types of inherent biases. Um, so if you have different types of models and you average the, you know, and you, you can either do like an averaging or whatever, or like a, like what's the majority vote of the models, you know, say, then that will get rid of a lot of the biases. Yeah. You know, and there's different,
1: you know, whatever. Yeah, so that's so, so. I I was kind of impressed that, that they did that, um, but he was doing. He had come up with those that prediction like six months ago or something. Like it wasn't even recent. Like he he had he had said six months before the election, this is my prediction at the moment. I think he he obviously did an update of a prediction every day or whatever, mm-hmm. but he had been saying that for an entire six months.
0: Yeah, you know, he's, uh, you know, there's one guy who was, who had just like a, a slight advantage, but was slightly better in his prediction. He, it wasn't as well known, but I think he just, I saw like a sort of a, a write up on all of the, um, all the guys running, you know, running these predictions. And I guess one guy was slightly, slightly more accurate than, than, than Nate Silver was um, just on the presidential outcome on, on like a district by district basic. Basis, but then he wasn't as accurate with sort of the other, um, other can, uh, with you know, the, 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 um, what you call it? I have no idea. We're talking about like the, the other races. The other races. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I think we've covered politics. That's, yeah, that's next. Let's move on to the next. Um, you know, you sent me an email about, uh, something called, um, was it it was check uh, check io or something which was like a uh, a game it was like a video game where you like it was like an adventure game where you solve programming problems yeah yeah did you check it out
1: no i just i just thought it was interesting and sent it to you
0: yeah it's like a lot of these things like you you look at them and they seem really cool it's like oh isn't that really awesome and then you actually try and use it, and you're like yeah this kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> well the problem was I, I looked at it it was like you would have to read a page of text what is the what is the name of it I think it's like checkio.com or checkio, something like that. Yeah. I I can't remember. I'll put a link in the notes. But essentially, you would would have to read like an entire page of text, you know, about this story. And then they'd give you some problems that were just sort of semi-related. I see. And I was like, my eyes glazed over immediately when I saw that. I mean, the kids are not going to want to read all this. And I was like, I I get what they're trying to do. But that's just, you know, people don't like to read on, they want to do stuff. I mean, then I don't mind reading a sentence or two, but it's like Dragonbox does a great job with that. It would, it, it didn't give you like two page of instructions. It would just say, you know, a couple of little pop-ups of like a five word sentence, drag these over here, get points by doing this, you know, and it start with very, very simple. And then you just, you don't have to go through a training sessions. You don't have to read a bunch of stuff. You're just immediately doing stuff. It never ceases to amaze me how when people
1: tackle the same problem, different people tackle the same problem, they just come up with completely different
0: solutions. Yeah. I mean and, and and most of them usually aren't very good. Right. <laughs> I mean I mean I I applaud their effort. I mean I think they were in the right effort, but I think they I missed the boat on being just, just simplicity. Just, I mean, just kids wanna well, maybe I don't I don't know if it's probably not built for kids of that age. You know, maybe for adults or, or older kids, but I still think that reading reading that much from a game is just kinda boring. So I was I was a little uh a little surprised by that that they did that. Oh, um, Another one was two. I saw two of things. One was called Robonode. Node, um, and it was another thing. It was kind of like a robot thing, like you would write code and have like these tanks or something that would compete. Yeah. Um, and that looked kind of neat, um, but it was also kind of simplistic. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I can't remember, but it was just it was just too. It was too like I think you'd call it to shoot and move and whatever, and it was kind of neat. Are we gonna for Catalyst have actual robots? That's what I want to build towards. And that's the one thing I was thinking. I mean, it's like, how long do we want to go with program before we kind of switch gears and do something else? But I want to solidify the programming a little bit because even now, like we talk about stuff and they still, cause we only do it once a week. Yeah. They forget stuff from the week before. It's they just do. not solidified yeah. enough. So I, I don't want to go back and do something, come back two months later and they forgot everything. So, Oh, you know what I want to talk about. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, I just saw the link. It's checkio.org. Okay. Um, so uh tesla is continuing to have the best week ever which is going to like the best month ever oh nice so they won automotive autom- automobile of the year by like was like automobile magazine or something which we talked about before and they also won car of the tre- year by motor trend so is are there, is their stock still going up yeah and while last i checked it was up to like 33 dollars so i was just like damn it i want to buy some more friends. so you bought exactly. it at what Like 27 or something. 27. 27. Wow. Great. Well, I mean, you know, it goes up and down. I mean, I, I, but I still think that like Tesla is just going to be like a big deal in like 10 to 15 years. So you still thinking about going down an investment track? I'm thinking that in the short run, you know, short term meaning the next year to two years, I'm going to focus on just generating as much cash as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, so so I want to build up a big financial just foundation you know, so sort of cash reserves. The Buffett right? Foundation. Yeah, right. now. I don't mean a foundation that way. I want a firm <laughs> base, yeah. financial base. And, you know, and it's like when you're in your 20s, or, you know, or whatever, and you don't have kids or wife, then you can kind of, you know, have a couple thousand in the bank and feel flush. But when you it's got... Like risks. You know, a wife and three kids, I mean, you, you can't do that anymore. And and it, it just it, it adds a lot of stress. And you don't want that. And I, I don't want that anymore. So I was like, all right, I'm going to build as we've talked about six months of cash reserves get be debt for in six months of cash reserves i probably hit there in the spring but i also want to reserve maybe like 40 percent of of my excess cash um so maybe 60 percent will go into like conservative just you know savings accounts or cds or whatever and then like 40 percent will be more investment capital
1: i'm curious would you consider um moving
0: out of that condo into maybe something a bit bigger that's what we want to do, but I don't want to leave our area. I mean, our area is fantastic. And so I'm having the same discussion
1: with Georgia as well. Yeah. It's like, I want to stay in Pasadena in this local area. Right here. I mean, it makes a difference right here. I mean, it's like,
0: why would I move? I mean, like, yeah, we could get, you know, a big house and live in Cerritos, but no, I might as well move to Arkansas or something. You know I mean? It's like the whole reason that I'm living, you know, in Pasadena is because of the specific area. You know the, the the just the feel of it. The, but there's some houses like down back down there. Just I don't know if, where just, you're pointing to. Where do you? Where well, just
1: you? just basically a little bit away from Colorado. Keep walking down the street a bit, and there's there's some family kind of residentials. Oh, you way,
0: mean east? Yeah. So you could. Yeah, you're going east. Yeah. 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 And they get a lot. Yeah. Okay. Basically, walk down your
1: street and mm-hmm. then walk across the street. You know where Georgie's office is. Keep mm-hmm. walking down that street. Yeah. And and then the other parallel streets. There's kind of family homes down there, just a few
0: blocks. It's expensive. You could get some something for five hundred thousand. No? dollars <laughs> what are you smoking? Dude, our <laughs> condo is half a million dollars. It That's is a two bedroom and a loft. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. If you wanted to get, if we wanted to get, like we've talked about this, if we you want, get a fixer upper, they're all fixer uppered around here, pretty much. And even the ones that are fixer upper are still going to run you one point three, one point four million. 1.5. Like if we wanted to get like a four bedroom house, like the ones we have. The girl, maybe the girls share room. Colby has a room. I have an office, and that you know what? I mean, so so we master bedroom, office, the girls have a room, and Colby has a room. That's four bedroom house. Four bedroom house in here, probably one point seven million. Well, it just you just gonna have to do better. You're not earning enough. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Well, Sandy says like she's like I really want to get a house in two or three years. I'm like whoa, jeez. I mean you know it's funny, it's funny because you are watching these like HGTV shows where they have like. You know, oh, this young couple looking for a house, and they're like, our budget is 270000 And you're like, what? And they're looking at these houses like, oh, it's a three- or four-bedroom house. and like, oh, they must be in like Georgia or Alabama or Florida or Ohio. I mean, it is amazing the difference in price of a house to, say, Pasadena. I mean, Pasadena is particularly expensive. And even well, actually, uh, yeah, because
1: I heard that Pasadena is one of the only places in the U.S. where really the whole housing crash never happened.
0: Yeah, I, I heard it, something. It just on,
1: basically stayed the same, or, or but it didn't go down.
0: Yeah, I was listening to something on. I think it was, um, it was like one of these NPR Market Watch things, uh, and uh, they were talking about. This is like two years ago, and they said of the five the five counties in the country that saw little to no drop in home housing, housing equity pri- and home equity or housing prices, whatever was Beverly Hills, Pasadena. Um, there's I I can't remember the name of it, a place in Connecticut where all the hedge fund guys are like two other places that are wealthy. Like it's like there's a lot or there's old money there. Like there's real money. Right. You know, these aren't like a bunch of big mansions. It's like people people have a lot of wealth and people want to be there. They're not there because, oh, we can buy a nice house here. It's like people want to be there. You know, I think La Jolla, you know, maybe in and uh So in there. those places it doesn't really feel like there was a recession. No, lots of people, I remember my, my buddy Jesse who lives in Hong Kong, he'd be like, you know, he's like two years ago, he called me, he's like, wow, what's it like there in the U.S.? And I'm like, dude, I mean, I can tell you in Pasadena, if you walk around, it would look exactly like it was two, three, four years ago, except probably nicer. Like right. there are more nicer homes and nicer restaurants. It's not like, it's like riots in the streets or something, you know, the way it made it seem like on the news. But I said, but there's a certain decoupling because certain parts of the country have just been devastated. I mean, the, the joblessness and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, hit to the economies are just brutal. I mean, we've been sort of, we've been shielded from that being in the technology sector. And we've been really, really lucky because... We have, it's just pure luck. It's, it's like we're in the, we're we happen to be in the right industry at the right time. I mean, we got, you know, I mean, we can pat ourselves on the back and be like, oh, it's because we're really smart and work hard. But really, we're just lucky that yeah. technology is in a place right now in the world where it's highly valued and there's do not people. Do you think that that could change? Do you, think, do you think that in
1: the foreseeable future, let's say 10 to 20 years, that opposition would be in jeopardy
0: oh yeah i i think well i after the after the crash in 2000 it you know it, 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 it just showed me that your world can be turned upside down instantaneously i mean like in 98 99 you know you know i was easily could charge 125 bucks an hour or more i was just starting consulting and uh it was just offers were coming out the left and right about having me do this or you know everybody wanted my time after the crash, <laughs> I was like looking for a job and it was like 60 to 80 grand. And I was going to have to commute like 45 minutes and work in some crappy cubicle. And so do you think that like in 10 years time, say there could be, cause there's a, there's a big push for, Oh, uh, by the way, 60 to 80 grand, which might be okay. Living like if you're living in Texas or Atlanta or other places, but in, in LA, that isn't, that lot. doesn't go too no, far. No, no. Um,
1: I'm wondering if there would ever be a point where, there will be so many developers like us that maybe in 10 years' time, we would be commoditized. And uh, do you think that's a possibility? Or do you think that because of because of the specialization aspect, that it's, it's going to be impossible to commoditize people like us?
0: Well, I think if you stay at the top of your game, you're always going to be fine. But, you know, no matter what you do, but uh, if you're just okay... You know, if you are just sort of like a a run in the mill developer, run in the mill whatever, you are always going to be in trouble. You know, the top people, especially if you can make a name for yourself, it's not just about being good, but it's like making a becoming a brand, a brand, yeah, making a name for yourself. <clears throat> you know, whether it's writing books or blogging or whatever it is, you gotta you got people have to know it's not just about being good. People have to know you are good, and people need and the, and the more social proof that there is, this is the person that's really good. So like Joanna Weeb with copywriting. Right. I mean, there could be a lot of people who are copywriters that are just as talented as she is, but they're hidden away in some corporation. They have no yeah. public personality presence whatsoever. Whereas people now say, well, they know that Joanna is really good. You know, she yeah. wrote the Copy Hacker. She took the effort and the time to write the Copy Hacker series of books, and she's been on the show and she's done stuff. Okay. Like, you
1: know. So basically, taken from that to to consolidate your position, build yourself as a brand. Now that's not everyone can do that though. I mean, because certain people just don't have that personality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well then, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to work at, I mean, other ideas work at a big company and just hope you kind of get yourself wedged in and, you know, and people think you're reliable. And if you're a big enough company, you're probably going to, it's probably going to be a pretty stable situation. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's always riskier to be out what we're doing, which is freelancing and not having anything guaranteed. Um, I, I actually
1: think of the opposite. I think it's, I think it's riskier to work at a big company because if something goes wrong and they have layoffs and they like lay off a hundred people, you're part of that. And you haven't kind of necessarily built the survival skills required to instantly switch over and get another job. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for you to get another job.
0: I, actually, I think you're probably right. I mean, it's yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's riskier at first when you're a freelancer because yeah. you don't have the network. You don't have the reputation. Yeah. You don't have the clients. Because you client list of people who kind of come back to you and say, hey, can we get some more of your time? You're just out there on your own. And that can be really risky to start. I mean, because you may have one or two clients and they pull out and you haven't had enough time to build build that stuff up and then you're kind of screwed. Um, but if, if you can build up that. Then you're hedged. In your your head. Yeah, you got a lot. You don't, you're not reliant on any one company. I mean, right. Uber for me is, is, uh, is a great situation. But if Uber suddenly just, uh, went under, got sued out of existence, you know, I, I, I would be fine. You know, I mean, i just shift my time to other clients, you know, um, I don't want that to happen. I would prefer <laughs> that it didn't happen because, like I said, it's a good it's a good situation, and I and uh, you know I have stock options, and uh, I, you know I believe in the company. I like everyone there, but you know just oh yeah, I wanted to talk, to talk
1: <clears> to <throat> you now that you mentioned that. Um, there's there's a startup um that we ran into a couple of times when we were over in Europe called Halo. So basically, Halo people install um an app on their phone. It's basically the same as Uber, mm-hmm. and you, and you can see the car, you can see the cab coming. They much, must-
0: so, but their cabs are not they're not yeah, cars they're exactly
1: their cabs but in in some ways that's even even more of a business opportunity like an even larger opportunity because there are so many cabs there are just so many cabs and you and and the way that they're selling this is they're going to the taxi ranks where you know hundreds of cabs are sitting and they're walking up and down the ranks and just talking to the to the taxi drivers there and selling them
0: yeah um yeah, I mean, I I know that Halo is one of the Uber competitors, one of the Uber clones that came out. I mean, these are there are numerous companies in different... There's like one at least in every city, in every country Yeah, that Uber shows up. There are people who have like, hey, just like there are Airbnb competitors, right? Or right, the right. Airbnb of Berlin, you know, or we're the Uber of, you know, Paris or something.
1: So, well, Halo seem to be taking off... I mean, they seem to be very entrenched in Europe, in, in the UK and in Ireland. So, that's that could be... I don't know difficult maybe for for uber to get a foot in in the door if there's already an incumbent
0: I don't really know what you know i I, sh- I got to go on our Godview global thing and see what the status is in those yeah. I haven't looked in those cities I didn't pay that much that I'm really paying attention to the cities that are getting a lot of uh, um, the their biggest ones that are because we've been focusing on efficiency and scalability so I, I really wasn't looking like what's going on in amsterdam and Madrid, yeah. you know, I mean, those are smaller cities where they're still just kind of getting off the ground. But, and I, I honestly don't know, have a lot to say on that topic because I really just don't know. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I spent my time working with the engineering time, not, you know, brainstorming with, you know. Well, you, you just came back from San Francisco, um, dealing
1: with, um, scaling issues.
0: How was that? Yeah, Good. You know, so the, the first thing I want to, is that is, is I want to say is the profiler that Guyon and I have built. Yeah. has paid off massively huh. it is unbelievable how big a deal that thing was and i looked at it and it's like 200 lines of code 250 lines of code wow um it's it's actually people can go on it's um it's called cluso oh it's available now yeah it's not it's like uber cluso just took in profiler cluso like inspector cluso right right that was the name i came up with they, nice, were, they yeah. were all that hip chat trying to come up with. they were like uber profile profile i'm like dude, i'm like come on come up with something that people will remember that's kind of kind yeah. of interesting and so I thought Clouseau was kind of cute, you know, and so it's called Clouseau. and um, yeah, so it makes it really nice. The output is really good. So what happens is it, it the output that it it comes out with is it it does two types. One, it has like a tree of like calling like this called this, you know, you know like a like a like a yeah like an outline, right? A what called what, and it would give you the CPU uh, percentage that it would take, the number of calls that it would take in milliseconds or microseconds. Um, depending on what level it was at. And also like, um, you know, it would be subtracted from the, uh, oh no, yeah, that's what I do. It. And then the second stage, it would it would, it would go through that and would find out all the top, um, it would order those, how much, how much time each function took minus what its children, its child function. So any functions that were called within it it would subtract or would take. So you would know exactly where the heat was coming from. So this yeah. took 10%. It was like a loop in that function, right? It wasn't yeah. the function itself. So we've just, uh, the guys have just been going through and 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 they're constantly pasting in like the top 10 results, the top 10 most, 12, 15% here, 12% there, 9, 4, 3. And people are like, ooh, that 15th low-hanging fruit, go for that function. And so, guys, yeah. so they're brainstorming back and forth. and And it's probably made the system... Three times faster over the last couple of months. I That's mean, great. We would not have made it through. You wouldn't have the knowledge. You just you wouldn't know what no to idea. focus on. Yeah. Well, all the things that like. So Curtis is the VP of of um, engineering, and he's the one that worked with me a lot on building the first version of the dispatching system and basically infrastructure. And now, um, well, he spends most of his time now just kind of hiring people and stuff. But very very bright guy. And you know, even still, he had his theories on like what was taking time, but it was wrong. I had my theories and they're wrong. Yeah. We were just wrong because we had no idea. You're just guessing, oh, it's gotta be this loop or it's gotta be that. And it wasn't, it was the profiler showed the way. Yeah. It's like walking around a dark room and you're just guessing. It's like, get a flashlight, invest in a flashlight. And so when I thought of building a profiler, which really, this is kind of funny. So I was like, I think Curtis was like, so what are you working on? I was like, oh, I think I'm going to build a profiler. And he's like, what? Like, why? You know, why? And he was like, okay. I think he was like, okay, cool. And some of the guys were kind of skeptical. And they're like, well, don't use the V8 profiler. I'm like, well, it doesn't work. On, on our Macs, at least the V8 profiler just doesn't work. And then it still sucks because it has to, you have to run it. And it runs really slow. And then it prints it out to some big file. And then you have to run some other tools to uh, compile through it. And just, it's just, you can't run it, um, it, it makes it very cumbersome to use. Where, our, where the profiler is built right into the system and, and it puts such a little load on it that I think it's maybe like 5% that you can have always running if you want. Hmm. And, uh, and then you just hit like a control port on our, uh, on our running server and it just spits back, here's, our, here's everything. So the guys, Conrad, who kind of is in charge of like, deploy, he's kind of semi DevOps and developer and he's kind of running this. He's constantly like, well, here's our current, you know, stuff. So it's just like, look, just like you look at the activity monitor. Mm. So it's yeah, incredibly valuable. right. Yeah. So anyway, in in building it, um, I was working with Guyon on it, and we were able to um, pretty easily figure out how to um, how to make it work with like our, our class structure. We create like a class inheritance. Yeah. Um, we use a, some code that does that, you know. And everybody, every library has their little class inheritance thing. So we kind of built it into that. So that was the profiler could say this me- this class and this method call took this. But then you have all these anonymous callback functions in Node. Yeah. So I was like, well and, and, and in in was like, there's just no way to do this. There's no way to profile it. And I'm like, damn it, Kyle, there is a way. And I like pushed. I kept pushing. We gotta figure out a way. I'm like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And he's like, Well, maybe. <laughs> it was just so funny. Like I had to, you know, I mean, you know, I had this sort of insistence that it had to be possible. And uh take that and uh, you know, in combination with uh, Guyon, he's like he's very clever with algorithms, and the two of us we came up with it, and it worked, and it's just paid huge dividends. So we've able, w- w- the guys at Uber have been able to use a profiler to make the system. Uh, it's probably two to three times faster. We would have not made it through October. We would have right. bl- We would have we, we would have major brownouts on Halloween weekend, but now, like I just saw the other day, it's like running, you know, maybe maxing out at forty, fifty percent. Great. and we're growing so that was really cool and the other thing I was working on which is really neat is the um, is making the the dis- the because we have a dispatch service running for each city is distributing that over multiple cores and so I'm building some grid it's like a kind of a grid process I'm working with my buddy Amos who opened over and we're creating like the grid the um so, like, you would have, if you have, like, 16-core box, you can just spread that over 16 cores. And, like, a couple people said, well, why don't you use Cluster? Well, Cluster is, if you're, you can't share memory across, across clusters. It would work in, like, a, um, it would work really well. A cluster works well when you have, like, a stateless environment, stateless right. code. But yeah. we, we're stateful, so you really can't use it. Okay. Anyway, cool. so that's pretty neat. Sweet. Well, that sounds great. So, have you, um, switching off tech for a second, I'm going to I'm going to have a couple of things. Uh, there's a couple of web we should wrap this up, by the way. Okay, I just yeah. want a couple of things I want to run through quick. Okay, yeah. Have you um, have you, there's a new um uh, webisode uh, web series that's really good called H plus? No, I haven't. have you seen it? No. Cool. It was it's it's developed or just directed and I think maybe written by uh, Brian Singer who did Usual Suspects and X Men? Huh. And it's called H+. H+. So the the premise is that this is like, I think it's like 20 or 30 years in the future. So it's like near future. Kind of has a look, kind of reminds me a little, it's a little Blade Runner-ish. Oh, wow. You know, and everyone has, or uh, uh, the majority of the population has an implant you know kind of like google glass take the next level like you're immediately connected to the web and yeah you, yeah you know you, you can just kind of like they show people and they're just like just how you know you know people walking around with a bluetooth and just talking to people yeah well they're like in a video conference and they're just kind of looking and, and they're kind of like i'm looking at space and i'm talking to people and yeah. i'm actually a video conference or i'm like kind of move my hand kind of just small gestures and i'm kind of looking through through wikipedia or just access to information and but then virus major virus hits <laughs> and this is tied in people's nervous systems or whatever. Okay. So then what happens? So it's really it's pretty cool. I would check it out. The other one, H plus I, H plus, um, The other one is uh, Battlestar Galactica: Blood and Chrome. Have you heard of that? No. So I think so. This is supposed to take place like I think ten years before the Cylon Wars or something, or twenty years. Is it? Is it a web? A web? Yes. Series. So I guess what I am reading is like what some people did, or some people from this. Ed, they is they did this high res 3D um, scanning of the um, Battlestar Galactica sets before yeah. they tore them down, and they've used that to CGI everything. Hmm. So it looks c- fantastic. And can can you tell that it's that the, the the whole thing's green screen? No, it looked great. It looked great. So yeah. if you like Battlestar Galactica, um, I would recommend taking a look at the Chrome door. They've done like four episodes. Wow. So I was just, I was, Sandy, so Sandy has an, she has an RSS feed geek dad. And so she was telling me about this. I didn't even know about that. And she's like, well, we just had your RSS feed. I'm like, I don't have an RSS feed. I'm like, RSS feed, RSS is so 2007 or 2006. She's like, whatever. Well, it works for her. Yeah, no, she. I'm, I'm like glad she does. She keeps me, keeps me informed. But you know what I've gotten into lately? I started watching the day is The Walking Dead. That is a good show. That is a good show. I've, I've watched Did the you watch it from the beginning? Yeah, I'm starting from the beginning. on the first three episodes.
1: It is. It is a good show because it's not um, so stupid. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. There are st- there are some pretty stupid aspects about it.
0: Well, you know, I mean, look, I mean, zombies, right? I mean, yeah, like, zombies. But, but it's just like Lost or or Battlestar Galactic. I mean, you just have to kind of suspend your disbelief along a certain axis. Okay, so we're going to believe that zombies can not happen and that a they would wipe most of humanity out yeah which I, I can't remember i think it was udi or alfie or one of our listeners came yeah. in and, and 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 gave a very convincing argument of why that wouldn't happen. never work yeah. right i yeah. mean they're just they're slow and stupid yeah right you would just they're slow and stupid them. and we can already deal with like lions
1: for example that are very co- you know they're much faster <laughs> and they're, they're very dangerous
0: but uh it's fun i, I like it i was kind of i was kind of getting obsessed with it i watched it on uh, the ipad remember you were telling me how i would start watching stuff on the ipad and the, oh and you have I don't like it as much as watching it on the TV, but sometimes I do um because It's just there. It's you just, just pick there. it up
1: and you just start watching stuff. And that's that happens more and more and more, I can tell you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's 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 the convenience factor. It's not as comfortable. Yeah. but sometimes it's just like I said, it's just there. It's just there. So I have to give you the uh, credit for predicting that I would start doing <laughs> that. So uh, Okay, um so have you seen On the I told you, you get your I told you, which is reading the show I told you so. What do you think <laughs> of um uh, Revolu- have you seen Revolution? I haven't. been recording it though. Is it any good? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know the one I need to watch, which has I, I has gotten the highest ratings I, practically I've ever seen on uh, on TV, is uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is phenomenal. Yeah. It's absolutely phenomenal.
1: Now the thing about Breaking Bad is that you need to get through the first series to to the like the second series. But by the time you get to the to the middle of the second season, you realize this is the best thing ever written for television,
0: right? Yeah, I um, well, it's just one of those things like The Wire or Mad Men that people keep talking about. It's just I haven't seen those. I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of the big ones like um, Six Feet Under, and I couldn't I couldn't get into The Wire. I just really couldn't. Yeah, you know, I tried a few episodes. I never really, really got into it. It didn't really grab me. What about um, Did you watch um, Sopranos? no not so much no i watched it was good but it was so depressing like the people's lives are so screwed up it always made me feel ill afterwards well
1: that's kind of what probably you you might get that from breaking bad then
0: oh really it is a bit depressing yeah yeah so i don't but know but not as bad as sopranos but you know is it but it's less depressing than the zombie apocalypse <laughs> zombie apocalypse isn't depressing so much no why is that i don't know like the world is in way better, you're a way better situation in. If you're la- the last remaining people, the zombie apocalypse, than if you're just part of some mob, dysfunctional mob family. You will. The thing about Breaking Bad is it. It's. I guess the whole thing is about the power of
1: gradualism, about going down. Right. So he starts off and he's a really nice teacher. He's just a teacher. Mm-hmm. But then he discovers, and I'm not giving away anything here. He discovers he's got cancer, and then he decides the answer to this somehow he. You know, uh, yeah, he falls into this world. Falls into the the world of making meth, and he becomes really good at making meth. And it's just how, as as the seasons go, he's he's this nice guy, and he just gradually gets worse and
0: worse. Power gradualism.
1: And by the end, he's not the same person. He's the he's the he's the devil. It's and it's it's just it's fascinating to watch. Yeah.
0: Um, speaking of, I don't know if maybe this is a little uh, segue. I thought the segue would work better, but maybe not. Is um. Karma. Karma's a you karma. Do you, do you, do you know, uh, do you hear about the Fisk, uh, Fisker, I think of the Fisker, It's just one of the electric cars. It's really cool. It looks like the, it's like a Tesla. No. I think it's a no. super, it's like a hundred thousand dollar. I think they're called Fisk or Fisker or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking. I wrote it. I think it's Fisker, but I wrote it down as fist. That's why I'm confused. Um, so 16 of their cars got, dis- were destroyed in the Sandy hurricane. Yeah. yeah. And, I remember watching, and I'm pretty sure about this, I remember watching, uh, it was like one of the Bloomberg Game Changer uh, bios of um, Elon Musk, and they were talking about how they had hired this guy, the, the guy did, who did the Fisker car. Oh, the design. The designer, he came in, and he worked with them, he and essentially was stealing, he was essentially working on his own stuff, and sort of taking the ideas and stuff, and going to start his own company, and so it was a big lawsuit, and then, you know what his car was called? The Fisker car was called? What? The karma. No way. And they, and they all, like a whole bunch of them. I've heard two different ports. I heard 30 and then I heard 16, but whatever. Thir- 16 or 30 of these suckers just were sitting in like a, I guess, like a docking area. They, they'd just gotten off the, you know, I think near the ports or something. And they just, the, because of the water came in and it, and it um, in the battery, in the reaction with the salt water and the batteries or something, something caused some kind of electrical fire and that they're all destroyed. That's, that's, <laughs> I was like, karma's a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> but I saw one. I actually, I was up in San Francisco last week and, um, uh, I was, I was walking, I was walking back, uh, from uh dinner and there was one of those, the, the, is it the Fisker? look it up real quick? Is it the Fisker? And uh-huh. I saw one. Yeah. It is unbelievable how beautiful that car is. It would look like a, look like an a Maserati or something it was just fisca Karma view. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just unbelievable. Oh wow, that is very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's really elegant,
1: really impressive. So that's what that's what the their car should have looked like.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. Well, I mean the you know the Tesla looks awesome and the Tesla Sedan Sedanis. Yeah, it does look kind of like a Maserati a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Maserati influenced. But um yeah, so I I told Sandy I said you know we're gonna get when I said our next car I'm gonna get this Model S. That's what yeah. I want to get the next time we buy a car. So we have we have like one of those crossovers which you need as like sort of a family car, and then we have a, a a lease just like of a smaller car we lease for sort of our like I call it like the Escape Pod. So whoever has fewer kids <laughs> makes the Escape Pod. <laughs> but it's like once we go and, and we actually buy a car, I'd like to buy the Model S because now you can charge with these supercharger stations. You can charge for free yeah for life and they've got shopping centers yeah well there's only a five but they're going to have hundreds in the next couple of years and it's like free free it's like free uh free no you don't pay for gas it's free driving for life
1: but that that's like how many people can that support i mean in one charging station like how many different places
0: can you plug in i don't know i don't know i mean i guess I'll just keep adding to it but they use this, this they're, they're all solar powered yeah that's pretty cool no, that is, pretty, that is cool. pretty right now they said that um it's getting the energy from his other company so, well, he's getting the equipment from the Solar City because he's yeah. like the chairman or something like that and uh it's his two cousins that mm. run it. Yeah. And um it's like one of the biggest solar I think it has like more installations of solar panels than any company in the country or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So, um let me see if I have anything else. Let me say final things. I know we're oh, all right, we're, we're going to
1: end up this is going to be the uh the happy note to end the show
0: on. <laughs> happy note. Okay. <laughs> Let's see here. What do I got? Happy note. Now, I'm not going to do any letters from the dark side or whatever. Um, let's see. Well, speaking of happiness, turns out um, annual income and happiness, the, is, uh, for, for annual income, $75,000 is the tipping point for when there's a substantial difference between people's level of happiness. When they become really happy. Well, not really happy, but it's like when people are less than $75,000 a year, it's, it, it introduces a whole other level of stress and, and discomfort. Huh. No, I could
1: totally believe that.
0: I'd like to see that on a per city basis, because obviously that's going to vary quite a bit. Like, you know, how much does it take to live in, say, Dallas than it does to, say, San Francisco? <laughs> so it might be 60000 in Dallas, or it might be 100000 in San Francisco. It's yeah. the same point yeah. when, you, when you factor in the cost of living in terms of um, mostly just the cost of Well, that housing. makes sense.
1: You could probably can't generalize across the whole
0: country. Yeah, no, right. It wouldn't be the same. But I mean, it's interesting. It's like why why that mark is. I bet you that's the point where it's like you can you can afford healthcare, you can afford you can just afford all the basic stuff. It, yeah, the to, basics like middle, yeah. for middle class sort of convenient lifestyle. Otherwise, you're kind of you're you're going you're going with less than the people around you are. Like, oh, I can't afford, you know, I can't afford a car. You know, I have to ride the bus. That kind of sucks. I can't afford to take a vacation. I can't afford really to eat out. I can't. I mean, it's like those things kind of add up. You're like, God, that's just, you just, you know, because like a lot of people's happiness. I mean, there's a lot of studies that show that people are happy, happier when they make more people, more money than the people around them. Right, right. And I think they're much less happy when they make less money than the people around them. So, but if you're living and the people around you generally make that much or more, and even though you don't know what their actual income is, you can sell. The, they can tell they own a car. Yeah. You can tell that they can eat out, and you're not eating out. Or they can tell you're just like, oh, that just sucks. Yeah. Right. So that's the happiness point. Seventy-five $75,000. So you must be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you must be like over the moon. No. Come on, you're the you you're the big uh, money earner these days. I don't think With so. With all your consulting and and Plugio. I quick- don't think so. It plugio? What's going? We didn't update plugio. Any uh, plugio? Oh uh, well, plugio is, uh, is still in a holding pattern.
1: Still pulling in around um, three and a half thousand. It actually pulled in four thousand last month.
0: Four thousand? That's bad. That's not bad. It came yeah, back a little it's bit. A little too shabby. Yeah, pulled in four
1: thousand. That's because one customer decided that they wanted to register eight accounts, eight uh, eight high end accounts. So that it, it like gave it an instant boost of a couple hundred. Okay. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. So. That's a little. That's a little gift that keeps on giving.
1: It is. It's a little engine that could. Right, but you're not really putting any time into it. No, that not, I mean, I I do put time in every day to deal with customer support. But you're not developing or pushing on it. Basically, I mean, every now and again, a customer will say, "Look, I really need this feature," and so I'll quickly make it. Yeah, that's good. But I have um, I have one new idea. Well, I have Skyboard, which uh-huh. I'm which I've been working on. Oh, you have because you kind of well I, well. I've been working on but very slowly, right. maybe a couple of hours every two weeks. I have um udemy which that's I'm, like the
0: slow burn <laughs> madness
1: <laughs> udemy, which I'm pretty excited about because I think that can actually bring in some cash okay um and then I've all got a new idea that I'm gonna use in the udemy presentation, so I'm gonna develop the new idea as part of creating the documents and then once the udemy uh course is built. I'm then going to build this new concept.
0: That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So if you ever case study, you know, it's like yeah. when you, you buy a book like on Java or PHP or whatever, and like, okay, we're going to build a shopping cart. Right. We're right. going to build exactly. your yeah. bookstore. Online. So it is a case you study
1: know. of a real business that I'm, I'm building from the ground up. Yeah. That's a really good idea, actually. Um, and I'm I not know. going to, ta- I'm not going to say it on the show um, because I, I want to keep this one a secret as well, but I'm going to tell you as soon as we, turn that record button off
0: (laughs) (laughs) see a membership has its (laughs) privileges (laughs) all right i think that's the show right we're i gotta get to work all right all right that's a wrap we're out